to find my place again. Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going to start by reading this and then we'll look at what Christ has done for us. Notice Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things held together. He is the head of the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or in earth, making peace by the blood of his cross. Christ is the Lord of all. And as we think about that this morning, we, we live in a world where uh, that's not clear, right? Where we, we want to have hope <laughs> that God is in control, but it doesn't look that way sometimes, right? Between COVID and then the war in Ukraine and, and the economy, right? It seems like there's this, these, just these waves of negativity and doubt and uncertainty that crash over us over and over and over again, right? Like, if, if we were to look at our world and say, where is hope? Where can I find hope? There would be, it, it seems like, very few places where that is true. In fact, instead, it seems like we're all, we're all living in dread, right? If hope is the, is the idea that, that we, we, we have something more positive, more better, <laughs> that's bad, bad English, I get it, but, you, but I'm emphasizing the comparison, right? That, so, there's something more better in the future. That's the idea of hope, that, we, that something is better <laughs> that's coming, Dread would be the opposite, right? Dread is the, not, not that, that good is coming in the future, but that something bad is coming in the future, right? And it seems like, you know, we use the phrase in English, waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? It's, it's the, the phrase when, when they had harder shoes and they had wood floors and right, one, one shoe would drop on the floor and you'd hear it hit, and then you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, like, oh, finally, it's okay. And, and it seems like in today's world, we're living in dread rather than living in hope, you know. And COVID, we joked about it even, right? It went, it went from COVID to murder hornets to, you know, just like, what's the next month going to bring, right? And it was a, a dark kind of humor, right? We, when, when we live in dark days, we find things that are uh, dark to joke about because we, we have this dread of things that we, that we don't know how these are going to go. And instead, we, we want to live in hope, right? We want to live with the idea that there is something better in the future that I can look forward to, something that can live toward, something that I live to. And it seems like it's difficult in our day. That's not because it's not been difficult in the past. William Cooper was an English poet in the time of John Newton. John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, right? He was a slave trader. God showed his grace 
to John Newton. John Newton was saved, became a pastor, and one of the people that he ministered to was William Cooper. William Cooper is a famous English poet, and his poetic achievements are remarkable in light of the fact that mental illness, depression, even suicidal thoughts plagued him all of his life. He was the son of the chaplain to King George II, and he worked as a lawyer for several years, and at age 32, he was nominated to a position that required a public examination, so he had to do something public, in public, to get the job, and he grew anxious and fearful about that, and ultimately tried to commit suicide three times and nearly succeeded. While staying in the asylum, he read Romans and was converted. He was, after his release from the asylum, he was staying with a family who the pastor was a pastor's family, and the pastor died. John Newton came to comfort the family and encouraged them to move to Olney, where he was ministering. And he, John Newton, and William Cooper wrote hymns. The book, uh, the book, the hymnal book was called Olney, or Olney, I'm not sure how to say it, Olney Hymns in 1779 and contained 348. 68 of them were by Cooper. Three of his best known hymns are There is a Fountain, Safely Through Another Week, which I don't know, but the most probably most famous, Oh, for a Closer Walk with thee, right? His famous hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way, was written about the time of another bout of mental illness. Despite his times of illness, John Newton said of him, I can hardly form an idea of a closer walk with God than he uniformly maintained. Cooper did not begin his literary career until the age of 50. So, so God moves in mysterious ways, and he, he does things that we don't expect. We were looking at that all of this week. Last week, we looked at the fact that God is shaking up his kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, At this time his voice shook the earth, now, but now he has promised, Not only will I shake the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The, the, the idea is, is that God's kingdom is different than the kingdoms that we expect. It's, it's, it's being shaken. It's being removal of the things that, that we expect, that, that we want, in order to, to show off the things we truly need and to give us what we really want in God himself. And this morning, I'd like to look at the big idea that because God, Christ reigns over his shaken-up kingdom, our paths to hope are shaken paths. And what do I mean by shaken paths? Well, I don't know. If, have you ever been to ledges? I hope most of you probably have been to ledges, right? Where you go and you can walk the paths, right? Have you ever gone off the normal path? You know, like... Like most of us probably start up at the top of ledges and we walk the path along the ridge, right? And then maybe walk down in, or maybe you walk the road down into ledges. But have you, have you ever gotten off the path, right? And, and you just start walking through the woods. Eventually, you're going to come 
to deer paths. They're not very big because deer don't have very big feet, right? And, and, uh, and if you follow a deer path, it's kind of fun because it's not a normal path. That is, it doesn't follow human logic because it's a deer path, not a human path, right? And it goes places that humans typically wouldn't go because one, we don't like to go straight up hills and deer's like, oh, no problem, we got four feet. We're like, I've only got two. <laughs> I can fall. And, and they, they'll, they can jump over things that we can't jump over. They can, and so deer paths are interesting because you get on them and they, they, they're going places that we typically wouldn't go. Like, they don't worry about property lines, right? <laughs> they're headed for either shelter or water. And, and when you get on one of those paths, you realize that you're on a different path. And when Christ reigns, and he does, it means that there are different paths to hope than the typical paths people look for. You know, people look for paths to hope of, hey, I, I'm going to change my situation. I'm going to get something new in my life. It might be some, something I possess, or it might be a new job or a new relationship, or some, just something new. Why, something to, to, to show that I can have something better down the road, right? But God's paths to hope in Christ are totally different. And, and to, to show this, I want to go to Revelation so if you got your Bibles, just turn to Revelation, and we're going to look at several passages in Revelation that help us to see Jesus, and because of who Jesus is, understand the paths that we're on to hope. So in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, The first point that I want to get to is that the living one rules over death by death. Notice what it says, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. Again, these are passages that John wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he was seeing visions of Jesus and what Jesus showed him. And the first vision he had is of Jesus himself. John, uh, Revelation 1, verse 10 says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a loud robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the, hair of, the hairs of his head were white like wool, white wool like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Here is Jesus in all of his glory, right? The one who has been risen from the dead is even now with God, and John sees him in that kind of glory. Verse 16 says, In his right hand he held seven stars from his mouth. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his flame face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, 
fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. Here we see John and Jesus lays his hand on him and says, fear not. Why should we not fear? Why can we have hope? Because he says, I am the first and the last, the living one, right? He is risen. He is risen from the dead. And not only that, but he emphasizes that. He says, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, right? He's like, not only am I the living one, I'm going to emphasize it here. Yes, I did die, but I am alive forevermore. And not only that, I have the keys of death and Hades. That is, I control them. I rule over them. They don't rule over me. When death threatens, there is one who lives forever, right? When hopelessness threatens, there is one who lives forever. And instead of facing the future with dread, we instead have hope. Not because of ourselves. Not because we can have control, but because we have one who rules over death. And he rules over death by dying and then rising again. You know, a lot of people would think, okay, yeah, let's, let's rule over death by figuring out a way so we can live forever, you know? You know let's try to figure out how to keep disease out of this body and, 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 and keep myself healthy and strong, or at least relatively strong, as, you know? And Jesus is like, no, no, I'll, I'll rule over death, and I'll do it by dying, <laughs> and then rising from the dead. And it tells us here that in in Christ's kingdom, in his shaken up kingdom, when we face threats like death and hopelessness, the path to hope is not avoiding those things. The path to hope is, as Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. The path to hope is following Jesus, even through death. There is a path to hope in Jesus' kingdom and ultimately means dying to self and letting him rule. It's the same, it's, Paul talks about this for husbands, right? He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You want to have hope in your marriage? Husbands, die to yourself, right? But there's another way, too, that we sometimes need to die to ourselves because we, we think, oh, I, I can handle it. I can, I can work hard. I can, I can create hope by just working hard and by doing the best I can and just going after it every day. And instead, Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's hope that comes from just saying, I'm at the end of myself. I can't handle this on my own. I don't have the resources myself. 
And that's a path to hope that's not the typical path, right? Like, like most people would say, have hope, yeah, you know, listen to this TED Talk and, you know, maybe go to Iowa State and, and get some more education and that will help you on a new path, right? And Jesus says, no, I hold the keys to death and Hades. Follow me. Follow me. Another path to hope that we see in Revelation is that the living one rules unseen but seen. And the living one rules unseen but seen. Notice Revelation chapter 19. So skip in your Bibles forward toward the end. Can't hit everything in Revelation. I'm just going to hit a, key, a few key things. But Revelation chapter 19 verse 11. Revelation 19 verse 11 says, Then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now can we see that now? No. We cannot look into the sky and see Jesus riding on a white horse coming to rescue us now, but by eyes of faith, we can see that he still reigns. I'm reminded of uh, Elisha, right? He was surrounded. He, the, the armies of Syria determined that he was the threat, and the, so they found out where he was, and they surrounded his, his city at night, and they woke up to see the city surrounded by the Syrian army. And Elisha's servant said, what? Whoa, we're in trouble. This is terrible. What are we going to do? And what did Elisha do? Elisha said, God, open his eyes to see. And God opened his eyes to see the, the legions of angels that were around the city as well. You know, we look in the news and we see armies moving, armies in conflict. And we can be afraid. We can be hopeless. We can despair and dread. But by eyes of faith, when armies great gather, there is a greater army. When kingdoms start to crumble, there is a lasting kingdom because Jesus reigns. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And even though we cannot see it with our eyes now, it is still real. If you had but eyes to see, you would see the, the heavens filled with angels. Because God is still on his throne. And he is going to rescue us one day. And therefore, this path to hope, the world would say, find what you can see, hold on to what you can see, cling to what you have. 
But in Christ's kingdom, the path to hope is living by faith, not by sight. It's believing in the word of God, believing that he reigns when everything else around you says he doesn't. That's God's path to hope. The third path to hope is found as we see that the living one will judge the world with his word of truth. Just turn over the page, if you will, to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verse 5 says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars... Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. God is going to judge. But notice the contrast in this paragraph. In the first part of the paragraph, he says that he is faithful and true. These words are faithful and true. And he ends the paragraph with listing out sinners, but especially liars. You know what creates hopelessness a lot of times? Lies, right? Because we, we believe we can't depend on what people tell us. We, we feel betrayed and abandoned when people lie to us. And we live in a time when there's a lot of lies going around, right? A lot of misinformation, they call it. But when lies when lies arise, there is one who knows the truth. There is one who is truth and who always keeps his promises. When sin abounds, there is one who will undo all evil, right? This King of kings and Lord of lords, he is also the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and he keeps his promises. To the one who trusts in him, he will give from the springs of the water of life without payment. And in Christ's kingdom, rather than a path to hope that tries to make promise after promise after promise of a future, there's a path to hope simply through repentance. Realizing if I've lied, and I have, my hope is not in me making up for my lies or telling myself more lies. My hope is simply in repenting and saying, I'm at the end of myself. I I need Jesus. I need him to create this hope. If you just just turn down the page right to Revelation 22, it says this, verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, throwing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. 
through the midst of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its, its, its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations." No longer, will be there, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. This is what God promises to us, and we know that his promise is true because Christ died and rose again. He is risen. And so this path to hope is not found in believing lies or speaking lies. It's repenting of our lives and trusting in his truth. Trusting in his word. This word is sufficient that we might know God, that we might follow him, and that we ultimately will come to him. There is this path because this word lasts forever. The last path of hope that I want to emphasize this morning is, is just that the living one will rule forever by being the first and the last. Again, in chapter 22, verse 12, he says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He says it again. It's like, do we really believe it, right? That the one who was in, in the beginning, from the beginning, God with God, God as God, right? John puts it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That one who was in the beginning is also the one who is at the end, it's his story. It's what he is doing in the world. And the, the path to hope in that sense is to realize this is not our story. It's his. This is his universe, not ours. We live in this universe, the one that God has created, the one that he is making new. And he is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. When histories are rewritten, and they're rewriting history these days, there is a true author of the story. When endings are feared, and we all fear, our story will end badly, right? When endings are feared, there is one true ending. It's his ending. He is writing this story. And therefore, he is Lord of all, not just the Lord of Israel or even the Lord of Lords. He is the first and the last. And this path of hope is not found by controlling our ending and worrying about our legacy. This path of hope is just like Jesus, right? It says in John 13, when he was facing the cross, he, he's like, I know that he, basically he's, I know where I'm coming from. I know where I'm going, right? And what did he do? He took a towel, took a basin of water, and he washed his disciples' feet. 
You say, how is that a path to hope? Serving other people? Being kind to others? I, I, I need to worry about myself here, right? In God's kingdom, the, the path to hope is by putting yourself last in order that he can put you first. There is a path to hope. It's by being humble. And that's why we live in God's kingdom. <laughs> because it's, it, these paths to hope are not your normal paths, right? They're not the ones that we would think, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's just fine. I can find this path on my own. No, we have to go look to Jesus. We have to see who he is because he is not like us. And yet he is. And he knows the paths we need. Cooper, again, his most meaningful works were written during fits of despair. Can you imagine blessing thousands of people when you're most despairing? And yet it is said that on his deathbed he stated, I am not shut out of heaven after all. Why? Because it's not based on us. This is his story. His most famous hymn is God Moves in a Mysterious Way. Here are the words. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unsearchable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and, sorry, and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Blind unbelief is sure to err. And scan his work in vain. For God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. God is on the throne. We have hope. He is risen. And the paths to hope are not your normal paths, but they are sure and they are true and they will lead you home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the hope that we have, not in ourselves, not in our performance, not in our control but in Jesus, who rose from the dead, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, 
Help us to see that with eyes of faith. Help us to remember that you control even death itself. Help us to remember that we can trust your promises. Help us to remember that we can repent in hope. And help us to remember that we can be humble and serve. Why? Because your paths of hope are not like our paths, but they lead us home. And we thank you for them. In your son's name, amen.